am I going to do? I've watched it so many times and I keep having the same feeling. I think... I think I kind of like Spider-Man 3. But I feel like no one in the world feels the way I do. I just wish I had someone to talk to. What, what, what was that? Is someone there? Remember that part where there's that cool Sandman fight in the subway? So underrated. How about that time Peter dances down the street in his new black suit? So misunderstood! What about when Harry and Peter team up to fight Venom and save Mary Jane? So good. I kinda like Spider-Man 3. I want to talk about it too, Scott. That's why I've been looking for you. Looking? For, for me? Oh yeah. I know all about you. You do? Like what? Like the fact that we've recorded 245 podcasts covering every minute of Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, so if we stop now, it just doesn't seem right to me. Wait, that you, Zach? Look, I want to talk about Spider-Man 3. You want to talk about Spider-Man 3. Together, its bad reputation doesn't stand a chance. Interested? Yeah. But where can people find us? Oh, my spider sense is tingling, if you know what I mean. And it's telling me that they should look for Spider-Man Minute Season 3 on DuelingGenre.com or wherever they get their podcasts this summer. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Izuku Midoriya from the anime series My Hero Academia. And to help with the discussion is returning guest Brandon Ushio. Welcome back, Brandon. Thanks for having me back. It's been a while. And uh, producer Andrew is also a fan of this series, so you're going to be jumping in some on this discussion too, right, Andrew? I am here. Excellent. I'm glad to have two fans because my first exposure <laughs> to the show was... Uh, that was a really great joke for Brandon, Joseph. It was. Just so it was. I'm just saying. It took me a minute to be like... Cause you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, you I'll you didn't get it. Joseph, for the, I, I didn't. Brandon did. Am I not exposed enough to the show to appreciate that joke? <laughs> that is what All Might says when he arrives on the scene. I am oh. here. He sounds like uh, the tick to me. Uh Oh my. That's a that's a good reference point. Uh but anyway, I was going to say I've I've watched four episodes. The four episodes we are discussing in this uh in this episode of the podcast are the only four I've seen. So I'm glad to have uh you Andrew and you Brandon here to help help me through this. I did enjoy the four episodes. I plan to keep watching, uh but I just am not as well versed in My Hero Academia as many fans of the series are. And I know this is one of those anime series that has a pretty big fandom in America. At least that's my sense of it from what I see the references I've seen online to it. Yeah, it's it's I mean, it's and it's not just America. It's what it's kind of taken the spot that Naruto or maybe even Dragon Ball Z and Dragon mm-hmm. Ball had it at some point. Yeah, there's, one of those there's, series. yeah, there's a bracket of anime series and specifically like the the shonen, the the young adult male lead kind of. Um, and and that's the market is the is the young adult male market, um, and there's a there's like a a top tier bracket of the big ones, and this would be part of that bracket. Okay. So for any listeners who are unfamiliar, My Hero Academia is a Japanese anime series that began airing in 2016. It tells the story of Izuku Midoriya, a boy in a world of superheroes and villains who never developed any powers himself. And in this world, they're called quirks. Uh, However, um, he desperately wants to be the greatest hero in this world. And we are going to be discussing the first four episodes from season one. So right at the ground floor of My Hero Academia. A little bit of trivia about the series. My Hero Academia began as a manga series that was written uh, and and drawn by Kohei. Oh, boy. I, I should take a run at this name beforehand. I, <laughs> this is my ignorance right here. Kohei Horikoshi. Uh, and that series has appeared in Weekly Shonen Jump since 2014. The anime is directed by Kenji Nagasaki and written by Yosuke Kuroda. There are four seasons of the show so far. 
Um, and in just watching these four, first four uh, episodes, I noticed this is steeped in a lot of uh, Western pop culture. So there's lots of superhero references and Star Wars references that I was able to catch, as well as I'm sure there were references to Japanese culture that I that just went right by me because I'm not familiar enough with those. Um, how did you guys first come to My Hero Academia? So for me, it was, I've heard it mentioned by lots of people on social media as a series that they're enjoying. And also, Andrew, I know you've run, mentioned it. And Brandon, you asked us, or I heard you talk about it on the Fandom Podcast. And I think I reached out to you and said, hey, do you want to talk about it on our podcast when I heard you discussing it? Um, so that's how I kind of became aware of its existence. But do you guys remember when you first became aware of it or started watching it? So my my younger sister is a huge anime buff. She's a cosplayer and competes in the conventions and things like that. And for some reason, in my head, My Hero Academia got switched with another high school like drama, like one of the girl shows, right? And that's exactly how they're marketed. You've got the boy shows and you got the girl shows. Which so, anytime somebody said My Hero Academia, I pictured this prep school romance kind of story and i was like i'm not i'm not gonna do this and then we were sitting at a dinner table one week and my older brother and my younger brother and my sister started talking about it and they started talking about the superpowers i was like wait a minute that that's not what i had in my head and so they said no 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 this is this is a superhero this is a shonen one and i was like okay so that and so then at that point uh two seasons had been out and so i jumped into it and i started watching it and I was like, Oh no, this is right up my alley. This is not some romantic, romantic, uh, anime at all. It's, it's straight up battles and, and, uh, coming of age. Like my, my favorite characters in Marvel, in the Marvel universe, uh, there's two of them that I really like and it's Peter Parker and Kamala Khan. And they're both coming of age stories with superpowers. And so this is literally right up my alley. It's a it's a coming of age story with superpowers. So I, yeah, this that's how I came to it, and I I I would have been watching it from the beginning if I had realized what it was. But I had it twisted in my head with another anime. What about you, Andrew? Um, for me, it's just in my like relatively like as far as like anime watchers go, I'm very casual. Um. And so this is in that top tier that I mentioned and, and therefore comes across my radar. And, um, you know, and there's, I did not jump onto it immediately. I don't know if I just wasn't like watching a lot of um, new stuff at the time or didn't know that it was accessible on Hulu, which is one of the reasons that I, I have watched it is because it's easily accessible to me. Um, but also I follow or have liked a lot of, you know, anime pages on Facebook that will throw up a two minute clip. And this is one that got several of those clips coming through. And so it just started to invade on my consciousness. Um, and that was like my early familiarity. And then just having it available, I started watching some of it. Um, there was there was a period of time when while editing, I would put on anime with the subtitles on. Just as my background stuff. Oh, that's a good idea. And this is one of the ones that I did that um, when, when that was my pattern. I, I have decreased in my ability to multitask um, <laughs> since having children, brain. basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah I, I feel like that's actually like what caused the decrease is like at some point having children just consumed a certain segment of my brain that w- had previously been available for <laughs> my use. And now it's occupied by my children. Um, they just take everything from you. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I no longer do that multitasking. But when I did, this is one of the shows that um, I put on in the background. And and I'll, I and it, it was a nice pattern to have because I could try out um, different stuff without committing to fully watching it. You know, I could I could look up often enough and read the subtitles and, and gather the necessary percentage to follow the story. Yeah, I, there's a different enough pace uh, to anime versus what we're familiar to where there are like breaks where the same uh scene is it feels a little more elongated right the, or they're the, or they're the really big on recaps for the next episode mm-hmm. um but then i i introduced this to my wife kestra and she wanted to watch the whole thing so we we have since like sat down and watched it um and and continue to watch it as they release new episodes part of me wonders how quick you would be able to get through this series if you cut out the recaps from the next episode because if you're binging it you don't need those recaps the same way 
Yeah, there's and, a lot of recaps and precaps. Yes, and so it's like, okay, so each episode's about 24-ish minutes, and probably four minutes is a recap, and another four minutes is a, hey, this is what's happening next week, essentially. Mm-hmm. And if, if you were just to condense that down, that's, you know, that's, what, 16 minutes per episode? You could really speed up the, the, the watching pace. Well, and then there's the the stylistic differences that for a Western viewer, you can tighten things up. And Joseph, you know about this because it goes back to stuff from Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics um, mm-hmm. when he measured panel transitions in, in manga versus comic books um, from America. And, you know, the pacing is markedly different. Um, they have a lot of scene establishing moments. And so some anime, you know, have, you know, a full minute of landscape and sound coming in and then zooming in on the action from a great distance um, and things like that. And so the, the pacing is very different in some cases. So yeah, if you trim that, you know, the recap and precap and trim down some of that uh, establishing shot work, it can be a really different experience, which I think people have done to Dragon Ball Z and they've shaved 30 minute episodes to five minutes of actual new fresh content <laughs> and, you, and, and you, you have to subtract some of the the yelling and screaming as people power up <laughs> yeah like like in america where I, I sense kind of i i think born identity um like action editing became very frenetic frenetic and you know hundreds oh, of yeah, quick, quick, quick 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 cuts and uh that is not japanese anime action editing from my experience which is largely anything not we've talked all. about on this podcast is my experience but this is probably our our fourth uh, anime series. And it's, there's a consistency to that where I'm like, okay, that's a cultural norm. Like that's, that's part of how they, uh, are, yeah, it, it is their pattern. Yeah. How they tell that particular, and it's, it's uh, part of what makes of it comfortable story. too. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can sit down and you can watch, you can go from one to the next and still have a lot of the same, uh, same beats and you're okay. I know what's going to happen next. And I mean, humans are all creatures of habit and comfort. Oh, oh, definitely. And, well, and I was, um, I was gonna say this one. I recognized more of the story tropes than like we in the past we've done like Roroni Kenshin, or even um, we've done an episode on on Pokemon. Uh, and there's, I'm not saying like it's completely alien, but this one definitely felt very similar to a lot of the superhero tropes uh, and a lot of the buildings Roman tropes that I see in Western storytelling uh, more so than some of those other ones that we, we we've looked at. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that they're doing like a very Western style superhero, like reference point. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, that, that I think that definitely makes sense. Um, that you know, that it, it's not uh, accidental at all on their part, and also that is a genre that I'm really well steeped in. <laughs> like I, I've spent a lot of time in the superhero genre. Yeah, you, you see some superhero tropes, you're like, I got it. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> well, sure where we're going with that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, before we move on to the full summary of these four episodes, listeners, we want to thank you for downloading this episode. We especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special clipcasts that are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers and also give monthly updates on our fantasy box office and all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. Now, on to the full summary, which, Brandon, you were kind enough to write the summary of these four episodes. All right. The story begins, like many anime, with a lot of exposition. In China, in the near future, a glowing baby was born with a power that would ultimately be named a quirk. And over time, quirks became so common that 80% of the world's population has some sort of quirk. Some are more powerful than others, but like every story where humans get super superpowers, some become heroes and others become villains. Izuku Midoriya is a young boy who from his earliest memories and dreams or from his earliest memories dreams of becoming a hero and saving people. But he falls into the 20% of the population without any quirk. The combination of his dreams and his lack of powers leads him to be bullied primarily by a former childhood friend, Katsugi Bakugo, who has a similar dream of becoming the most popular and richest hero of all time, even surpassing All Might, the number one ranked hero who is known for being the symbol of peace, because when he's around, bad guys always lose. And All Might is also Midoriya's personal idol. 
The difference between Midoriya and Bakugo is that Bakugo has an extremely powerful explosion type quirk. And while walking home from school after a particularly harsh bullying session for Bakugo, where Midoriya was told that he would never be a hero and that he should just jump off the rooftop, Midoriya is attacked by a sledge villain who's running from All Might, but in the nick of time, All Might appears and captures the sledge villain in an empty soda bottle, like you do. When all- <laughs> That's a lot of math that goes into that soda bottle. I mean, volume and pressure. I mean, he, he's superpowers. That's, I mean, hand waviness abounds. So when All Might goes to jump off, Midoriya grabs onto his leg because he needs to ask if he can be a hero without a quirk. When All Might lands on a rooftop and tells him no, uh, that if he doesn't have a quirk, he can't be a hero, uh, Midoriya is crushed. And All Might goes on to tell him that it's fine to dream, but he should not confuse his dream with reality. All Might tries very hard to end the conversation because while Midoriya isn't looking, All Might runs out of energy, and the heroic muscle-bound All Might transforms into a skinny, sickly-looking man. The transformation is due to a battle that All Might lost five years previous, but he compares it to when guys suck in their gut and try to look buff at the pool. Um, Like I said, a lot of exposition early on up front. The scene changes to Bakugo and his friends trying to decide what to do with their afternoon but what none of them had planned on was being attacked by the sludge monster that All Might had captured, but was accidentally dropped when Midoriya grabbed All Might's leg. Pro heroes take notice of the scene, but are thwarted by circumstances created by location uh, and Bakugo's explosive powers. Uh, All Might sees the situation, but in his current form can't help without risk can't help without risking being seriously injured if he transforms into All Might. When Midoriya realizes that the situation is his fault, his legs begin running into the fray without a plan. He has to help, he just doesn't know how. He draws on the vast knowledge he has of battles from observing pro heroes work and throws his backpack at the sludge monster. All Might sees the courage of young Midoriya and is inspired by his true act of heroism and All Might transforms. He takes out the sludge monster with a Detroit smash so hard that it changes the weather. Bakugo is praised for his strength and resistance, but is not pleased that Midoriya tried to help him. Midoriya is scolded for running. Can I hear a a real Detroit smash description? (laughs) Detroit smash. I'm going to, I'm going to peek out my microphone. If I do that, (laughs) Detroit. No, I can't. I can't. It's going to ruin. It's going to ruin the audio. Sorry. I was, I was going to try. I was going to try. And then my wife would get mad at me for waking up all my children. (laughs) So, uh, let's see, where was I? Midoriya is scolded for running in so recklessly without any quirk by the pro heroes, and he goes home. At home, he's greeted by All Might and told it was Midoriya's bravery that inspired him to action. He tells him that the quirk he possesses is able to be transferred to another, and that he would like Midoriya to be his successor for the one-for-all quirk. After Midoriya stops simultaneously crying and nerding out about the implications... All Might tells him that his body's too weak to handle the quirk and that he must follow a very specific training plan to be able to handle it. We, we then cut into a nearly episode-long training montage of Midoriya working, eating, studying, and overworking himself. Uh, remember, we said there's a lot of Western tropes in this one. It's, uh, it's a very good training montage, though. Like, <laughs> as training montages go, like, this one feels pretty good. In my notes... To discuss, I put training montage, exclamation point. I love a good training <laughs> montage. It never fails. It, it, it's always like when in doubt, cut to a training montage. And I think you're going to satisfy your audience. All Might tells him he needs to stop overworking. And then the training montage continues. By the end of the montage, there's only 15 minutes left before entrance exams to the most prestigious hero high school, UA. And All Might plucks a single hair and tells Midoriya that he must consume his DNA to absorb his powers. Midoriya is told it will take a few hours for the power to become available and begins to stress about it until a greater stress appears, contact with a human female. Midoriya was so preoccupied with everything that just happened that he stumbles. But before he falls, a young woman that can modify the gravity of anything she touches catches him and keeps him from falling. This show may be about superheroes, but Midoriya is still a teenage boy, apparently. 
In a large auditorium, a pro hero with DJ powers explains the entrance exam, which enemy robots are w- worth which points, and an uptight student points out that there are four silhouettes on their information, but the announcer only mentioned three, and that would just be unacceptable if the school got that wrong. And the announcer said that the fourth is worth zero points and is put in to make things difficult for the test takers. After the introduction, they're told to go into a mock city and fight the robots, and Midoriya is striking out left and right. Even the kid with the French accent and belly button laser is making fun of him. Other students are calling out their scores like Legolas and Gimli, and Midoriya still has no points. With just a few minutes left, judges decide to make things interesting and let out the zero-point robot, which is a 50-foot, seemingly indestructible robot. Everyone runs the other direction except for the girl that saved him from his fall. She is trapped under some rubble. Midoriya decides that he can't let her be hurt or killed. Like with the sledge monster, he begins to run without a plan. But this time, he has a quirk. He activates his powers by clenching his butt cheeks and yelling smash from the depths of his heart. Like, that's literally how he activates his power, according to All Might. So he leaps into the air and, in a single blow, destroys the giant robot. But the power of the quirk was too much for his body, and he can't move his legs or his right arms. And now he's 58 feet in the air with no plan on how to land without dying. His improvised plan that he comes up with while falling is the is to punch the ground really hard as he's landing to lessen the impact. But luckily, the girl he saved touches him and stops his fall before falling unconscious herself. And then the timer ends and the practical exam is over. After being healed by the power of an old lady's kiss, Midoriya has to wait weeks for the results of his entrance exam. He feels that he didn't do too great on the written portion and knows that he got zero points on the practical exam. And when his mother finally brings in the letter from UA, Midoriya rips it open and a hollow bit of All Might appears, telling him that he will be faculty at UA and the young woman that he saved asked if she could give some of her points to Midoriya. All Might tells him that the judges not only score on the announced criteria, but also on a secret rescue category. Midoriya was awarded 60 points and the young woman was awarded 45 points. They both pass the entrance exam and the episode ends. The, the secret rescue category. Uh, you, in a hero test, you always have to assume there's a secret rescue noble noblest category that's yeah not not for the points you actually score but for demonstrating that you've got the real stuff yes yeah are you willing to put yourself in harm's way take care of take care of things that need to be taken care of so i would have to say this is so that is a trope of so many different both western and anime uh properties however it is going right to the core of of this of what this is because on the external, My Hero Academia is a Western superheroes brought into the anime world. However, it's more of a of an analysis on Western heroes and what makes a hero. And so right from this first arc, they really are pointing out not all heroes are really heroes. heroes. And so this, I, right. I think this... Uh, secret rescue category goes goes to point to just that uh i mean tenu the guy with the jets on his legs uh he, he i mean he's freaking out about it. he's like oh if this wasn't an exam i would have done that right but it, i wasn't thinking about it because it is an exam and uh i think that i mean and, and i think that's the point that they were trying to make and i said tenu but it's tenya my bad yeah so in in this it's kind of satisfying, but in Harry Potter four, when they say he's got moral fiber and they give him extra points, it's not as satisfying. <laughs> well, Harry Potter's not a take on what it means to be a, a exactly. That's one of the reasons why it's like, okay, come on, guys. But in this, this is what it's about. We're at the uh, at the end of the first book when when Gryffindor suddenly gets all uh, you know all the awards. I, I kind of think I understand Slytherin's point of view here uh, <laughs> at their anger. <laughs> Like the award ceremony was all decked out in Slytherin colors and it gets switched at the very last second. Now in this case, uh, it's not, it's allowing him in. It's not taking it away from anyone else. Right. It's, it's just, he proved himself, not that he, you know, was like in the Harry Potter books, literally superior to this <laughs> other group or anything else like that. Or, um, and one thing that I think works really well as far as that, um, 
you know, the, the secret rescue points uh, that, that come in is that his um, choosing to do that. It's simultaneously shown to be uh, an in the moment impulse. It's a very impulsive thing, but it's also his entire life has made it that that is the yeah, only it, choice it that is he a make characteristic because he's so desperately. Yes, he so desperately wants to be the good guy that he has trained himself his whole life to choose the right moral action so that when it is a life or death choice to do the right thing and you may die or to run away and you will definitely live, it's not really a choice for him. Like he he can't even control it. It's like I, I'm doing and I, this. I would say it's not just because he's chosen to be a hero from a young age, but also because his motivations on why he wants to be the hero is – are so pure, right? He uh, was inspired by All Might and his his saving hundreds of people in 10 minutes and <clears throat> always being there with a smile on his face. That's one of the things about All Might that is just so cheesy that at first I was like, man, this guy bugs me. But then the more they analyze it, I was like, no, no, this, this is exactly how it would be. All Might always has to go in and show a big smile on his face and be, and be cocky to a point. Uh, to give everybody else around you comfort and to make it feel like, oh, they're not worried, so I'm not going to be worried. And it's almost like a, uh, it's almost like, and last time I was talking to you guys, I, I brought up a similar point. It's almost like a parent dealing with a young child. Uh, I don't know, we, we all, on the show, we all have kids, but I, I don't know how much you, you subscribe to the theory of when a kid falls, when they're like how, how much reaction up. do you give them yeah how much reaction like do you because if the kid knows that you're like oh no then that's when they start crying but if you're like oh get up that's not that big of a deal like you're you risk looking like you are like you don't care but i really have found if you can strike that right balance of being like oh you're okay hop up that it all of a sudden they're comfortable about it because you're not freaking out about it and I feel like that's kind of the role All Might plays in a lot of his heroing is he makes people feel confident. And I like how we at first see All Might um, only from a distance and like only through these news clips where we're seeing that performance. But then when we actually meet All Might, we find out how performative that portrayal is, that it's this deliberate choice to instill confidence in a world that was so disrupted by the emergence of these quirks and the presence of these supervillains that no one could go around. Uh, like there was no more daily life and having all might with that level of nonchalant confidence, uh, at least like putting that, that face forward to the crowd um, allowed a sense of normalcy to return for a lot of people. Like they, they, at one point they give you like the data visualization of crime going <laughs> down uh, with, with all might's just, just his existence. Um, and, and a lot of that is in how he is choosing to present himself. And that could come off uh, like it does come off as very arrogant and, and com you know, <laughs> like it, it is this like showy confidence that he's putting out there. Um, but then when we find out um, everything that All Might is going going through and why he's making the choices to present that version of himself to the world, like your entire understanding of All Might shifts. Right. When he uh, when he initially transforms on that rooftop to the skinny sickly looking guy and Midoriya's first reaction is what did you do with all might you're not all might because all might never lets anyone see him without a smile and in his weakened form right now i have a question about anime tropes uh when he's in his weakened form often when he's giving lines of dialogue like there's just huge amounts of blood flying out of his nose and face is that just showing damage yeah basically at those <laughs> Just, just broadly speaking, he is not well. Yeah, it's one of those visual shorthands that has not been translated over to Western audiences as much. So it was a little bit like, I know this is supposed to be evoking something. And I yeah, don't so know that I'm getting for, it for him, it's like even over exaggerated. Like there's a lot of exaggeration with All Might in every direction. And so like the coughing up blood, it's like, <laughs> oh, look, he's pretty sick, guys. Well, and I think they have to do that with with this show, because let's be honest, some of these quirks are just ridiculous. And so, I mean, it's not it's not that big of a stretch to be like, oh, this really skinny guy can turn into a 600-pound superhero. And so they have to show that, no, his quirk isn't just transforming into this big, powerful superhero. He 
he's transforming his his damage is transforming him into this sickly man uh and i think that's a i think that's something that really i think it really goes to midori because at first he's like oh who are you you are not all might but then as he figures out and as as it's it's explained to him what's going on and why all might is looking like that then midoriya is he he accepts it really quick and i don't and i i feel like it's because he has spent his entire life preparing to be the hero he doesn't just want to copy all might he wants to embody what all might is and so i'm sure he has spent a lot of time thinking okay if i want to be like all might i have to go into a battle with a big smile on my face i have to be confident even when i'm not and so then yeah, he i have sees, to perform yeah I, and so he sees this sickly man and after the explanation he's like oh okay this is exactly what i was planning on doing so it's not that big of a twist for me and i can accept this pretty darn quick i i think it really all might really goes to show the pure intentions of it because in the in the scene in the classroom where they're talking about taking entrance exams Bakugo is talking about wanting to be the richest superhero of all time uh, and surpassing all might. And his intention is his fame and money where, where uh, Midoriya, he just wants to help people. He just wants, he just wants to be a good guy. The, and getting to the core of that, um, like so much about this show uh, is so exaggerated. Part of me wants to like laugh and chuckle. Like, okay, this is being played pretty broadly right now. But then I was generally like, like I was legitimately moved, like emotionally with some of the beats that hit like Midoriya. Um, when he finds out that he doesn't have the quirk and his mom, I, what is it that she says? Exactly? She says something like, like I am so sorry. It? I'm so sorry. Yeah. And he's like, that's not what I wanted to hear. And it's not till a couple episodes later when All Might says, you can be a hero anyway. He's like, that's what I needed to hear was that, you know, my, my dreams were still could were still possible, could be achieved. Um, and like seeing that, and I, I watched these across a couple different days. I, I, I didn't binge all four back to back. Um, but those, those beats landed for me. Um, in a way where I really was moved by Midoriya and you know what his goals were and and his needs uh, and and seeing some of that fulfillment come about it was it, like you get that that rush of like yes you can do it like um we we were talking just before recording about what episodes this story is similar to because we make those recommendations at the end and Andrew's like well Rudy uh, and I was thinking of some of the previous uh, anime ones I was what I was going to recommend but what Andrew, Andrew said Rudy I was like oh right yep it's it's the Rudy story it's this underdog who has a dream that can't let the dream go in face of uh, in the face of all its adversity and not just adversity but like legitimate reasons why his dream is unlikely to be achieved <laughs> like yeah uh, you don't have a quirk it's gonna be very hard to be a superhero and fight the kinds of supervillains uh, with the powers that they have um, and to see him like starting to be on the path of achieving those was satisfying and and it like one of the important things and one of the things that i think connects him to a character like rudy is even when all might lays out like look here's the possibility and you inspired me enough that i'm going to give you power it still required additional work and effort which he, he had a pattern of you know and that's like it's it's not a superpower, but it is the thing that he had that made it possible for him to move towards his goal, even when he was starting, um, you know, given an opportunity. And there's there's something when All Might gives him the power, he says there's a difference between luck and earning it, and you've earned it. Um. So, I think it, I think it's in this arc where Bakugo first calls Midoriya Deku. And Deku is a Japanese name that literally means that you are good for nothing, that you are a useless person. And I think I, I when I um, was like initially trying to learn what it was, I saw someone translate it as blockhead. Like when they call Charlie Brown a blockhead. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's literally, it's literally something that it's, it's an insult, but Deku takes uh, and Midoriya takes that on, and I'm, this will be a spoiler a little bit for some later episodes, but not, it's not it's not a huge 
point, I don't think. Somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong. Please do. Um, he takes Deku on as his superhero name and as his code name. And I think that really goes to show what one of the things that this, that this, uh, that this story is telling is, look, you can be Deku. You can be a useless person. And, but if you work hard, there's a chance and you can earn things and you, it doesn't matter if everyone else thinks you're useless. You just keep putting in the work and eventually it will pay off. Um, the writer of the anime, he has said that his favorite or of the manga, he has said that his favorite superhero anime, manga, Western, all of that is Spider-Man. And I think that I think Spider-Man has a very similar story because yes, Spider-Man had something random happen to him, but, any, but that also means that anybody could be Spider-Man. It's not a, uh, if, if I got bit by a spider, I don't know that I'd become Spider-Man and you've got the old classic Spider-Man uh, story from when I was a kid where he, he wasn't using his powers for good. He was trying to make money as a pro wrestler. And, I think this, I think it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, All Might can give you powers, but if you're not willing to put in the work and if you don't have the right motivations behind that work, driving that work, you're not going to be a symbol of peace. You're not going to be a, a hero in all senses of the word. I, yes. And I, I think that's the theme that you get throughout the entire series is like what it is that is going to uh, prepare um, uh, Deku to to become that hero um, isn't having the best power, even though like he, he views All Might as having the best power, and, and they acknowledge there's some ambiguity as to exactly what All Might's powers are, because a lot of these other heroes that we get are very codified and identified as to what type of hero they are and what the limits of their power are. And all might, it's a little bit vague <laughs> as to what all that is. Um, and yes, Deku has been given access to it, but it's like you said, it's not because of um, just chance he's, he's earned it. Like he uh, all might sees how good this kid is and sees that he's a worthy heir um, to his powers. And so he says, <laughs> eat my hair, which is a really weird way transfer powers there and and it's um, it's not even just like the one moment where he demonstrated heroics all might then makes him do 10 months of training mm -hmm. and uh what's the name Bakugou. of the bully again yeah when it when he calls deku he, he calls him quirkless which uh is such a weird word but when he said it i was like oh that's biting that's really harsh <laughs> to call him quirkless uh, and, and that is part of his identity to a point, like we're seeing that transformation. And yet in spite of that aspect of his identity, he's still more heroic than any of the kids in his class who are trying to get into the hero university. There's a, there's a subset of star Wars fans who are not happy with the last, uh, rise of Skywalker movie because they had been so sold on the fact that Ray was a nobody. And, I'm not going to get into spoilers. She's not a nobody, but aside from that, I won't go into any more. Uh, and they were really looking forward to the, to the fact of hoping, Hey, this could be anybody. You don't have to be connected to somebody or something. This could be anybody. And I think, I think my hero does a really good job of showing exactly that. Like you, you can be literally a nobody, a, a, a quirkless person, a Deku. And yes, there's a little bit of circumstance that's involved with, with things. If, if he had not been walking under that bridge and attacked and all might had saved him, he would not have had that. But at the same time, if he hadn't grabbed onto all might's leg at the time, then all might would have, he never would have told all might, Hey, I'm, I have no quirk, but I want to be a hero. He never would have accidentally knocked out the sludge monster from all might's cargo pants. And, uh, then had the chance to go run in and and be heroic so there there are there's there's circumstances which any successful person will have will fully admit there are circumstances that were beyond their control that led to them being successful however i feel that any successful person 
also take takes advantage of circumstances when they are presented before them. And so there's there's always that balance of being a man of action and jumping on circumstances and doing doing things, having your legs go without without any option versus sitting back and being like, well, I don't have a quirk. I shouldn't go run in there. And it's really interesting to see that Midoriya has that balance right there. Uh, that he he knows that he shouldn't do it, but you know what? Darn it, he just has to do something. Now, in our notes for potential discussion topics, you have this note about inspiring others through our actions. And I like the kind of uh, ripple effects that we see um, in My Hero Academia, where um, uh, Midoriya is inspired by All Might. Like that, All Might's actions inspire him and we see that all might is deliberately trying to inspire everyone but in the specific way that midoriya gets inspired uh there's um this very personal uh inspiration that that hits midoriya to become the kind of person that he is but then we see midoriya ends up inspiring um what what was the name of the girl who has the floating power ochako Ochako, uh, oh, both in what she does during the test and then what she does after the test, where she goes in and tries to um, transfer some of her points uh, to Midoriya. So it's 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 like you're starting to see um, that All Might's inspiration is is like hitting generations of of people. You know, it's being passed forward multiple times. Uh, so, th- one thing that I noticed on this that just seems okay. It's it's par for the course. It's a trope, right? But the exam went on well past the exam because she got 45 extra points for trying to give her points to Midoriya. And I thought that was interesting that, you know, the judges, they, they just don't stop judging you. Like, you do something even when time's up, they will reward you for that. And that was just an interesting observation that I saw with her. But yeah, you're right. The, there's that ripple effect that happens. And uh, I think I think that happens. I think that happens in real life. It's this, you know, All Might inspires Deku. Deku inspires Otako. Uh, and, and they all inspire each other at different points. Because All Might inspired Midoriya, but Midoriya also inspired All Might. And I, I wonder if that... if if they're trying to say that they are uh, that yes, one person can inspire somebody else, but that doesn't mean that they are always inspiring. The more you get to know all Might, the more, you know, he's got a close circle of friends that he relies on as well. And we all need to, and we all can't be inspiring all of the time. And, and we all have to help each other out. Yeah. I, I think like on the rooftop, you definitely see, um, it kind of get inverted as, as far as who, who was inspiring, who I do like the thought of all might as like a school guidance counselor. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> his, I, I don't know what role he actually has at the school, but him sending that acceptance video, I was like this bombastic, like, like I, I said at the beginning of this episode, like he sounds like the tick from the Fox animated series, the way that he talks like him as a school guidance counselor. I would watch that show all day long. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, I want to I want to talk about something that it, it ties into what um, Brandon said about kind of the the rotating cycle of inspiring different people. And there's a concept that that I've used more than once to talk about like community and how how ultimately people need each other to support each other and and what Brandon was just describing for, for inspiring. I was like, Oh, it's just like this metaphor that I've always used. Um, so penguins, right? <laughs> okay. Go on. I'm with where, you where so far. Out, <laughs> out in the cold, right? When I watched March of the penguins, I think this is the first time that like really collected for me. So all the, the, the penguins, they go together and the wives lay the eggs and then they have to leave to go get food. And they got to like hike 70 miles to go get food because you know, they're depleted, obviously. And so all the men are there holding the eggs on their feet and they have to stay warm in like the coldest part of the year um, while they wait for their rotation with, with um, the female penguins to come back and take over the eggs and everything, right? And what the male penguins do is they huddle up and they form a big circle. 
so they can all stay warm, right? But the real trick with this big circle of penguins, and you can watch like time-lapse videos of it, is they are constantly moving and they have a rotation cycle where everyone who is on the outside is on the outside for a little while and then they rotate towards the inside and they get to spend time in the middle because everyone on the outside is getting the Mm. wind. And if you stay there, you will die. And if they don't rotate and everyone take turns, then ultimately everyone will die one by one by one by one as the wind, you know, crosses through. But if they rotate and take turns on the outside and then back on the inside and they keep moving, then everyone has a chance to recover and then they can go back to the outside and take their turn and protect everyone else. And it's like those moments where sometimes you're inspiring someone else and sometimes you need that exact same person to inspire you. So what you're saying is it takes a village. (laughs) You should write a book with that title or something. (laughs) I think it's catchy. But you know, like the the spiraling of the... It takes a penguin. (laughs) But the spiraling of the... Of the penguins is, you know, sometimes I'm good and I can handle what life is throwing at me and I can be supportive for someone else. And sometimes I'm not feeling so good and I need to be on the inside of the circle and I need someone else to cover I, for me. Yeah, and we all have I those think the moments. show, like with, um, Medu- uh, how do we say his name again? I've lost it. Midoriya or Deku. Midoriya, there we go. Uh, and all my on the roof, like this is people who are meeting each other for the first time, but they're there's like enough openness that they're able to to have that kind of transfer of inspiration or or like supporting one another when they're neat with, with in the ways that they need it um, almost immediately. Um, I know in in like longer term relationships, you can start to sense like when when someone needs that support and and they sense when you need the support like just as parents sometimes with kids you're going to be in a stressful situation and you'll be pu- pushed sometimes towards uh like an emotional boiling point shall we say <laughs> and my <laughs> wife and i like we can sense when one of the one of us is like reaching that higher point faster and immediately the other one of us like calms down like like it's like a seesaw oh it's one my turn is, to be is, calm Yes, exactly. Like one of us is rising too high. So the other one has to like, even though it's as stressful in that moment, like the emotional high ground has been claimed. So the other one's going to calm and and lower down. And it's, uh, you know, depending on the situation and, you know, what particular triggers as far as children's behavior are, we may be uh, rushing to a higher emotional state uh, faster than the other one. Um, but I know I've seen times where it's like, okay, honey, I've got this point. You just separate for a minute because I can tell how stressed you are in this moment and she's done the same for me um where there's this like reciprocity of of like emotional support that happens and i think in this we see some of that uh like inspirational reciprocity that's happening it's like okay i need i need a pick me up right now and your nobleness actually is like hitting me in the right spot (laughs) and so you're you're making me want to be a better version of myself uh even as i was like trending downward you're 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 picking me up right now it's like you're you're taking the wind it's like the story that I've heard about penguins before. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, everyone's got to take turns taking the wind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you don't, then ultimately everyone's going to succumb. Well, and I think that's, I think that's one of the really cool things about my hero and, and the, and what I have seen, I'm not quite up to date on what's been released, but, but I, but I, I, I kind of know the story from reading the manga. That's another thing. This comes from a, the weekly shonen manga and there are a lot of keyframes that are taken right from the manga put into the anime so if you've read the manga you've seen the anime and if you've seen the anime you've read the manga but uh there are there are times that that this is pointing out hey no you need you need to be together this is not something that's achievable all by yourself and that's a flat out story that you know a lot of it's a it's it's a western trope right like they you're constantly you've got the avengers you've got the x-men heroes that are off trying to be lone wolves that just can't solve the problem by themselves and they need to call in reinforcements and it takes a village <laughs> right exactly <laughs> somebody should write a book about that seriously um but it's it, it it's kind of cool to watch these watch these tropes be explored a little bit because they, because they're, they're they're not gentle with the tropes either. Like 
my hero walks this fine line of it has to it has to be a shonen anime it has to be something that boys are going to watch me like that's cool those superpowers are awesome and and just and just love watching it but you can definitely tell that the writer is is taking pot shots at things that we have that we just kind of take for granted it's like oh of course the heroes are going to be rich because they're going to have sponsorships and because they have sponsorships, they have to deal with the media and because they have to deal with the media, they have, they, there's a ranking system of some, of some sort that is not explained. And And then there's, there's like government sanctioning and therefore there has to be stipulations about their costumes. Yes. And so you've, you've got, you, there are very subtle takes. So you've got, you've got your main level of, Hey, this is a cool fighting show. And then underneath that, there's a, Hey, let's really pick apart these Western superhero tropes. And if you look close enough, you will see that there are things that they pick apart. But then if you look even deeper, they're not, even, they're not just picking apart the Western superhero tropes. They're picking apart the anime tropes. And there in this first arc, there weren't as many of those tropes that really were picked apart. They were, they were more setting the stage, I would say. Um, but then as you go on in seasons two and three, you start realizing that, Oh, you know, they, there's a, there's a team of women that uh, when one of them goes on to an internship with this team of women, they spend more time doing media than they actually do crime fighting. And it's because for women, they want photo shoots and things like that. And that's how they're dubbed successful. Um, and, and so, because this show is no stranger to fan service. I mean, you, you start out the first episode as somebody named mountain lady, who is a giant woman in a skin tight suit. Um, but then you've got, uh, that you've got other characters later on who, you know what, they've got the anime, the anime trope of just some boy who just does not understand. He never took the sexual harassment trainings and later and on, it is egregious, yeah, like terrible. But later on they go to, they go to explain how that, you know, and redeem the character a little bit. And they point and they basically point out these are problems in animes. And it's just it I just find it kind of interesting to see if you really peel it apart and if you if you're looking closely, there are some things that my hero will do that it doesn't matter if you're a fan of anime or if you're a fan of Western comics, you you may not see them poking at your favorite one, but you'll, you'll notice the other. I, I really love multi-layered stories like this that just take an analysis is deeper. level. And it also, it, it'll poke the other way where it'll take something. that's like, look, I'm, I'm putting this thing in and it's ridiculous, but later on, I'm going to make it the coolest. Just so you know, I'm going to make you like think that this dumb thing is actually really awesome. Like they identify, I think in, in these four episodes, they, they talk about, you know, some of the top heroes and there's like all might. And then there's a guy who's got all this firepower. And then like number three is best genist. And it just like, what is, he's just got denim. He's got a denim turtleneck. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, but later on they make a point of like, okay, I, now I've put this ridiculous thing in and I've said, he's the number three hero. Now I'm going to make you believe it. <laughs> And I'm going to make him cool and like committed and heroic. It's like, but he looks so dumb. <laughs> hey, Brandon, yeah. I want to go back to one thing that you said where you mentioned you have read the manga and watched the anime, right? Uh, I've read most of the manga and watched most of the anime. What is different in your experience? Cause there's a, obviously the narrative sounds like it's pretty similar, but there's a different, means of communicating that story so for you as an audience like do you can you identify anything that's different in reading it on the on the manga page versus seeing it animated um you know through through for us through hulu uh, is where we've we found it well i'll tell you i so i am reading fan translations so there are some things that are lost in translation but uh really it is it, it is very faithful to the manga 
and yeah, almost storyboard. Yeah, like like literally. Translation. Like I've I noticed I noticed in this in these first four episodes, there are things that it's literally panel for panel, and then they just animate it into the next one. And so it's it's very faithful to the original vision of this. And I think that's why you get so many different layers into this is because they're not trying to adapt it for the new medium. They're saying, okay, let's just take this and run with it. Is that, uh, how, how common is that for manga to anime translations or, or uh, adaptations? A lot of times, especially the Shonen ones will be fairly faithful with the exception of if the anime gets ahead of the manga. Yeah, then you have to deal with filler arcs. Filler arcs, or uh, you get things like Full Metal Alchemist, where they just wrote their own they story. They different stories. Right? And then, and then you get Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is like, oh, now the, now the manga's finished. Let's go back to the manga. Yeah. Sounds I would like a bit say... Like, uh, what what uh, Game of Thrones fans had to deal with with HBO, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I would say it, it based on my experience, I think my hero academia is maybe like more closely storyboarded based on the manga than, than most. Okay. You know, like, like a little more strongly directly pulled, like this is our, you know, this is our camera angle. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, Not, I mean, not that others are not doing it. It just seems like my hero academia is, is like, really like high percentage wise let's let's take it as direct as we can and other ones are comfortable being a little bit looser while you will still have you know like this is obviously you know the reference image that they used to draw the character but you might have a little more freedom in doing some different camera angles for the same moment or tweaking this or that all right. Well, guys, do you have any final thoughts on My Hero Academia besides having one of the greatest series titles I've ever heard? <laughs> so I think that this this is a show that is uniquely possible to do in this day and age where the internationalization of so much of pop culture is spread everywhere. Because unless you have a sincere love of Western superheroes and their tropes and anime heroes and their tropes the marriage of those two could never happen in a previous time i watched the japanese spider-man with a leopardon robot and i've watched power rangers and it's one or the other it's it's the marriage of the pop culture tropes in this i I don't think we could ever have had in another time period andrew do you have any final thoughts about it i just i just wanted to point out and and draw attention to the fact every location name in this series is based off Star Wars. Yes. Tashi Station. You know, yeah, Tatooine Station, Dagobah Beach. Um, he usually spells them slightly differently, but every single one of them is like, this is a Star Wars reference, guys. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Hosu, Hosu is based off of Hoth. So even, even the district in Tokyo where they're in. Pointing, <laughs> pointing back to the what, what Brandon was saying about the internationalization of culture now all right well i think that's going to wrap up this episode thank you listeners for joining us for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows you can go to duelinggenre.com also please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in your podcast app of choice and please leave us a review that really helps us out we'd like to thank nick english who designed our logo and scott tofty who composed our theme music if you enjoyed this episode you might want to go check out episode number 35 when we talked about rudy or episode number 144 when we talked about roroni kenshin you can reach us by uh re- mm. You can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod or at Jadorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at Disminute. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. And Brandon, where could listeners find more of your work? So my work is all found over at fandompodcast.com. And uh, I highly recommend the Fandom Podcast. If you're looking for another podcast to check out, uh, they have wonderful discussions. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long. So long.
right. Uh, here, real quick. I want to take a right. Iziku Midoriya. 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 And I think Izuku, it's Izuku. Midoriya. Yeah, it's Izuku. What? Izuku as well. Izuku. Izuku, Izuku. Izuku. Midoriya. I'm going to change the I into a U there to help there. I must also, throughout a lot of the series, he goes by Deku, if that's easier. 